Welcome to the One Right Church podcast, where we will discuss what it's like to believe that you attend the only right church. My name is Mark Shaw, and I spent the first 45 years of my life in the Followers of Christ Church in Oregon City, believing I was in the One Right Church. Our hope is that by simply sharing our story, that we would urge people to look to the Bible for answers instead of their religious traditions. We want to encourage people to trust in Jesus for their salvation and not in attending the One Right Church. Let's get started. Hey, Scott. Hi, Mark. Hey, Warren. Hello, how are you today? Thanks for okay. doing another episode with us. Um, we left off, you had kind of last episode, so if anybody's just hearing this and hasn't listened to last week's uh, podcast, you might want to go listen to that, but... Laren, you kind of took us through um, your history with followers in Idaho, um, the similarities and differences between Idaho and Oregon City, and now I would uh, just want to start asking you about your like conversion story, your your story of coming to faith in Jesus, and how that how that looked for you. Well, can I before can yes. I interrupt? I, I oh, would yeah, ask yeah. a question before that because um, you were talking about how baptism, you know, when um, the apostle died, that there was no more baptism, but some people were still taking, you know, accepting somebody else's leadership. Were you baptized in followers? I was not. You were not. I was not. So you were kind of then. You didn't have all the privileges that everybody else had then? No, I had no privileges. Oh, okay. Mm. Um, apart from, you know, I was still able to marry, thank the Lord, and have there children you know. and continue okay. with life and such like that inside and, the church. And stay in the church? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, so, no, I was not. I was one of the families, you know, my parents really was one of them families that, that did not accept the last preacher, Donnie mm-hmm. Baldwin, who passed away in 1985. And, and I, I'd said earlier on the, the last episode that I was born in 1967, right? So I would have been... been 18. Uh, 17. Okay, yeah. Um, no, actually, I would have been 16. Sorry. So, okay. This is just the, these dates that you keep throwing out that baptism ended for you in 76. Mm-hmm. For us, it was 69. I mean, we're, that's not that far apart. You're saying the last um, preacher there... Died in what year? Did you say 85? 85. 85. For us, it was 1986. The the Bible has not been read in Oregon City from the pulpit since 1986. Yeah. Uh, And it's just amazing to me, the timing of all this. Anyway. You say, yeah, like it's the same? Um, We've removed the pulpit in order so that more seating could be there. You know, the the dias or dais, yeah, we yeah, took yeah. that out so that we could put more pews in because the, the church continued to grow, especially when you have families that are having, you know, an average of 12 to 14 children, oh, you know, my. and so we okay. actually, we removed it completely out of the equation. How does that sound to you, Scott? Like, what, this is a, this is a well, church... I'm just going to say, you know, both of you dumbfound me. There you go. But <laughs> Laren, thank you for being here. I'm yes. tired of dumbfounding. I mean, right. it's, it's always been Mark's been the, you know, oh, wow. But now there's two of you. So that's... But re- <laughs> removing, coming to, coming to the rationalization as a group of people to remo- remove the pulpit from the church to create more seating is... It's so interesting that people... 
you know, would come. That there be, and this is the yeah. thing that's really been interesting to me, even about Oregon City to this day, is what is it that draws people and keeps people? Mm-hmm. And then I would, and I mean, short of having babies, that would be kind of the same question I would have there. Not that I expect you to answer right now, but that's, and, cr- that's and I, something. I just want to make one point about it, too. I mean, had I known this when I was at Oregon City, that like just growing up believing that we were the one right church, Idaho was bad, had I known that they're going through the same exact thing that we're going through. Like, what's That's the so difference? That's isn't it? Yeah. What's the difference between them and us? You know, and... Well, and I think, you know, I say, what made people come? Well, it was the one right church. So yeah. you had to stay there. You it was, yeah. See, that's the thing here. I mean, say we just, like, abolish preaching, I suppose. It would only be a matter of time till there'd be people go other places because nobody's believing that this is the one right church. Yeah, we and had think, no, we had no other place to go. Exactly, that's yeah. the thing, right? Yeah, yeah. interesting. So yeah. now, yeah. now I'd love to hear Kevin, yes. your story there. I just wanted to yes. establish, figure out where um, you were in. And, that. and let's be clear that my story intersects with our Lord Jesus's story. Absolutely, you know, it truly first begins with Him. And okay. uh, anyways, but it, it is a story that it is a great joy for me to share, and I've shared it many times. Just um, especially looking back on just the wow. You did that for me, Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, um, as I come to understand that I'm a sinner in every way, and I need a savior, and just that He would, that He loved me so. You know, mm-hmm. um, that that passage in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. Um, the word "so," one of the smallest words in the Bible, with the very greatest of meanings. Mm-hmm. You know, in this context, but um, so like I said on the earlier podcast was that I, I was raised up in this church. We was the one right church. There was no others. Um, even though we might've prayed that he would bless if he had somebody somewhere else, but we was, we was just that one right church. Um, no baptism, anything like that. We started to kind of make up new ways as, as that, you know, as was necessary about this, I think. And anyways, kind of that stay in the pasture, you know, we was still Jesus' sheep because that um, our parents were were believers in our mind and and in their mind, and and sheep have sheep, right? They don't have goats, mm-hmm. right? The offspring of sheep okay. is little baby sheep, and so as long as that we kind of remained in the followers and and kind of held the way, right? But then the problem become that there become so many different ways, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody because the the church in Idaho has been so fractured for most all of my life. Different groups believing different things. Um, who do you follow, right? And who do you, you know, if we're going to say stay in the pasture and just, you know, follow the follower way, it become very convoluted with, well, what way? You yeah. know, which which one? Yeah. Know, which of the of the elders? Which one of the you know the apostles? Because they all had varying degrees, and then once that they've passed away. Then it, and there's no written histories or, you know, of their sermons or anything like that, then it's like, well, I think that this one taught that and yeah. that fits my fancy. And, and so I will hold to that. Yeah. And so we didn't even know. Yeah, it was a big pasture, but there was a lot of dividing fences in it. And so where in the pasture was you going to stay? And that become very confusing. But um, so I think uh, in 2005, uh, my younger brother um, strong, strong, vibrant person, 
um, he got an earache. And, and three short weeks later, um, we buried him. Mm. And so he was my best friend. And we married sisters. We lived next door to each other. Mm. Um, he was my best friend. And, mm. and so there he was laying there, and he was just getting worse and worse. Um, the, the earache had turned. It was an infection in his ear, and it eventually poisoned him, sepsis. And, and took his life. But while he was laying there in his chair, and, uh, and he would just, you know, he would pray, you know, and just say, you know, Lord, heal me. Um, and I remember particularly one of his prayers, and he said, Lord, you know who I am, and you know that I want to belong to you. And, but he wasn't baptized, right? And at that time, n- there wasn't a very few but maybe just a few of them that had first begun to think that like, well, because our parents were, ba- you know, were baptized in the faith, we could somehow ride their coattail in, mm-hmm. in. And anyways, but he would just cry out just, Lord, you know, here I am. And, uh, um, but he said, you know, that was his very words. He says, you know, my heart, Lord, and you know that I want to belong to you. And, but his prayer was, I need to be baptized. You know, but it appears like I'm dying. And uh, anyways, and, and shortly, two days before he passed away, um, we had taken him into the bathroom because we were sitting with him at that time around mm-hmm. the clock. He just, he lost all of his strength. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, and, and before he made it in, um, he had soiled himself. Mm-hmm. And so me and his wife was there to clean him up and take care of him. And uh, so she said, I'll go get some new clothes for him. And anyways, and, and so when she went out, Lane said, lock the door. And I thought, oh, this, you know. And so I, I locked the door and he said, do you think I'm dying? And, and it was kind of like, okay, it's time to address that elephant that's been in the room now for the last week. And I didn't want to answer in this way, but the answer truly was yes. I think you're dying. Your body is just wasting away right before my eyes. You have no strength. This coming from a man that you couldn't hurt him. You know, yeah. he was just that strong. And anyways, but his body was just decaying right in front of my eyes. His legs were beginning to swell up and um, stuff like that. And uh, his heart rate had got to where he was just breathing so rapidly, you know, just very, very, very fast. And uh, anyways, and so I said, yes. Yes, it, it looks like you're dying. And he said, well, that's what I think. I think I'm dying. And uh, anyways, and so now the elephant has been at least acknowledged. Mm-hmm. Now we need to address it. And I said, okay, so you understand that today, tomorrow, the next day, or you know, a day here soon that you're going to stand before the Lord. What's going on in your mind, right? What, what are your thoughts? And he said this, he said... Laren, he says, I don't know what to think. He said, you know me that Lane had chased all over the place looking for the right way, you know, the right thing. He had, you know, of course, I'd spent a lot of time with my dad who was saying, I will baptize you and then all your troubles will be over. Mm-hmm. Daddy was outside the room pacing the floor just waiting for him to say, Daddy, come and baptize me in the bathtub or wherever, you know, because I'm near, I'm near to die. But, but Lane said, you know how that I've looked and everything that I've looked at, 
I understand that it's not right. He had the Mormons come into his house, you know, and said, tell me about your way. Um, he had traveled back into the Missouri, Oklahoma countryside there where there was a lot of the Church of the Firstborn who were offering baptism and such. And um, anyways, and he says, I've looked everywhere. And everywhere that I've been, it's just very evident that it's not what I'm after. And anyways, and, and we all had a perception in our mind of what we was after. You know, we was after the old way. Yeah. And uh, yeah. anyways, and, um, and that was one of the differences between Oregon City and Idaho is we continually prayed. I mean, morning, noon, and night, Lord, send somebody to preach to us and to baptize us and to our children. Obviously, at that point, our children were grown people getting married. Yeah. And uh, anyways, but... Um, but so we had this conversation there, um, and he, and again he repeated that. He said, "I don't know what to think, Laren." He said, "But I know this that the Lord knows my heart, and He knows that I want to belong to Him, and so I rest my life in His hands." And um, today I I wonder if He beat me there. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, just Can that I- that clear faith. Can I just say that that just sounds a lot to me like the thief on the cross, just yes. saying, not like Doesn't not it? knowing what yeah. else to say, but just saying, Lord, remember me when, yeah, exactly. when you come to your kingdom. I know Lane's theology was not right at all, yeah. but mm. I think we... Neither was the thief on the cross. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, anyways, as I've grown in the faith and, and such, I've, I've had that hope, you know, that, that he preceded me. Yeah. And, uh, well, Anyways, but just just that simple declaration of faith, you know, is um, it's not this twelve step process as yeah. I was led to believe. But yeah. um, but at the same time, I didn't recognize any of this. Right? Is all I knew is that that my little brother and my friend he died mm-hmm. and uh, left his family behind, his wife and three children, and I was just I was devastated. You know, my heart was broke. You know, just in grief, but. Um, and I remember making the comment of, how are we going to go on without Lane? You know, yeah. it was just, it was unfathomable to me that we was going to go on without Lane. And uh, anyways, and then I, I would recall him crying out to God. And, and it's, what I, it's what I seen was that he cried out and God ignored him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ooh. And so I struggled with that. I, I said, that's not the God that I want, Right. It's not the God that I want. One that would look down and see Lane suffering and such and desiring and to just ignore him. And so I just had this, this great struggle, this wow. inner turmoil that, um, and I would just say, you know what, I don't want anything to do with it. I just don't want anything to do with it. My Bible would sit on the shelf. And, but I knew there was a God. I always knew there was a God. You know, growing up, we read the scriptures all the time. It was required reading. We didn't have any other reading materials in the house. We didn't have a television or radio or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And so it was a required thing that we did. We read in, you know, and without knowing the exact number, but I would say from Genesis to Revelation, I had read it by the time I was 17 years old, maybe 10 times. Oh my God. Clear through. Well, there's That's a difference. A difference. <laughs> yeah. And anyways, this was not particularly normal in the church. Oh, Most gonna, of the, that's what I was going to ask you. The yeah. others that we would have said were the liberal side. They had televisions. They had radios. They had, you know, Western books was kind of the big thing. And Louis L'Amour or something. Okay. Okay. Anyways, and, uh, but I knew there was a God. Yeah. And so then 
it was as if I was being, you know, my mind would, would go to that direction and say, okay, if there is a God, and I know that there is, who is he? Who is he? In, so I would, I would go to my Bible, and I thought that's the only place I can find him because nobody's preaching to me. Um, I'm not aware of any radio uh, programs or anything like that. Right. Um, I've never read a. I'd never read any. I didn't even know there was commentaries available. I knew nothing of sermon audio, <laughs> you know. Right. But, um, anyways, and so I just begin to read the Bible and particularly the Gospel of John, and I just um, I couldn't get enough of the Gospel of John. And, um, and I, and I would read the Bible, but then, you know, then I know now the enemy was there at all times. And, and I would say, okay, if that's true, then everything I've ever known is a lie. Yeah. So let me just ask a couple questions if I can. First of all, how long ago was this? Uh, beginning in 2005, but. Is when your, when your brother passed away? When my brother passed away. And then. So, so you would read then, you're reading the Gospel of John and recognizing right there that if the Gospel of John was true, but, but you'd read it before. Many times. But now you're reading it and you're seeing and you're recognizing if, if this is true, then what I've been believing is not true. I begin to understand how big the word so was. <laughs> but even at that, I was still very rebellious and troubled in my mind and such. And, um, you know, I would say, yeah, if these things are true, then everything that I've known is a lie. And, and if that is the case, what about my dad? What about my mom? What about my grandpa, oh, my grandma, sure. everything like that? Yeah. Anyways, and, and um, I'd seen other people, too, that had kind of got out of the middle, like you talked about, and being yeah. in the middle, got out of that middle, and, and the shunning and the rejection, you know, was, was very strong. And, uh, and, and so there was that also in the back of my mind that it, if— if I was to just say, okay, these things have to be true because it's in the Bible and this is what I believe, I would be rejected by my family, by my friends. And that was my whole world, right? Because we was completely isolated, just as you guys was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was no other people. I had no other friends. I didn't have any, you know, somebody to confide in or anything like that. And I was even at, I was even at the point that I was, I was afraid to confide in my wife of what I was reading and what I was learning. Just... What will that do to our marriage? Will she remain with me? And so there was there was just this great fear that I had, and so I would put the Bible away because it scared me. You know, I would just put it away. And uh, anyways, but but there I was drawn back to it, and and I I'd start again in John, and uh, so in John I I just I learned of the love that that God has for us. I I understood these promises that that Jesus was making to us, that they were eternal promises, that there is no variance in his word, that, um, you know, but at the same time, I still resisted that. And then the other side of it was is I didn't know how to move forward then, right? Oh, right. Because I needed somebody to baptize me. Yeah. I needed so somebody. Stuck at the, I'm still stuck, stuck at, in that. Interesting. I'm so stuck in that. And uh, years later, you know, after I'd come to Christ, and it was, a, it was just a wonder to me, you know, but that— that he had actually received me. But I remember thinking to myself as I was again reading through the Gospel of John, and we have the, uh, the passage where the Jesus goes there to the Pool of Siloam. And, and at the time that the water would move, the first one that would go into the water would be made whole. 
and or you know healed or such. Mm-hmm. And Jesus come to the one person there, just to one. It sounded like there was a multitude of people around that pool, but he zeroed in on one, and he asked the person, he says, would you be whole? He said, yeah, Lord, but there's no man that would put me in the water. <laughs> and it, that was me, wow. right? That was me. I was waiting for some man to put me in the water so that I could be made whole. And, mm. uh, but, you know, and so, yeah, I just, I fell in love with, with our Lord Jesus through the Gospel of John never hearing uh, the word preached, but just simply, um, you know, as John wrote that at the very end of John, I'm writing this for this purpose, right? Mm-hmm. That, that you might read it and believe it and have eternal life. And mm-hmm. uh, anyways, but um, so I, I just really fell in love with, with uh, yeah, with the gospel of John. But another thing that I want to bring up in there was um, a couple of instances. We had a neighbor guy by the name of Jody Rose that mm. he began to stop into our, our place there just to kind of figure out who we was because he would see that our women, they all wore dresses clear to the ground. Their hair was long, uncut, no jewelry, no makeup. And he thought, who are these people? Kind of like Amish or something, but they didn't have the same plain clothes or anything like that. So he was very curious. So he stopped in. He was he was uh, employed as a, a a seed man, so like corn and beans and and such like that. And so he stopped and offered, "Hey, I can get you guys because we grew a huge garden. Mm-hmm. Um, I could get you all the seed that you need." And so that was kind of his way of breaking the ice. And uh, anyways, and so here was this Jody Rose, and he started coming around quite a bit. And and there was a spirit about him that I had never witnessed in my life. Um, he was just the meekest, the quietest sort of a person, very gentle. Um, every time that I left, because he generally was at my dad and mom's place, and I just live, we actually have properties that adjoin. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would leave, and as I'm going home, I thought, I wish I could be like Jody. Mm. There's something about him that I just, I wish mm-hmm. I could be like Jody. But then in that very minute, um, I think, you know, the enemy stole that seat, <laughs> but. I would say, wait a minute, what are you talking about, Laren? Jody is a Baptist, right? <laughs> he goes to the doctors. Right. And why do you want to be like an unbeliever, you know, or somebody, the, the world? world worldly person. The world. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was so confused with Jody, and I didn't know what to do with him, right? Everybody else I could just put in that box that said world, Right. And that was just enough. They was just gone. They were over there in that box. I couldn't put Jody in that box. Mm. And so he just didn't seem worldly. Is that it? <laughs> no, no. That um, so every, well. everything per, uh, that he portrayed was goodness, you know. And it was a genuine, you know. We did all the good works, right? Right. But that inner spirit was wow. different than anything that I'd ever witnessed. Mm. So you're so the same thing. So this is the same time. You're falling in love with Jesus from the Gospel yes. of John, and you're trying to figure out Jody at the same time. At the same time. Oh, and but not making that connection. <laughs> I love this. Yeah. Not making that connection <laughs> at all. And uh, anyways, but um, so he was a great puzzle to me, and I th- I think really was part of that, really coming to faith. You know, God used him as a tool in that, though Jody Rose himself never shared the gospel with me, right? He had never shared the gospel, but but it was just that. He, he was a light that I had never seen before. And, uh, but then there was another thing that happened. Um, at that time, I, was, I had a lawn care company, 
And so I'm all over through town. And, uh, and one day I'm going along here and I see this bumper sticker. And, and the bumper stickers are very simple. It just says this, if you can earn it, why did Jesus die? If you can earn it, why did Jesus die? I had spent a lifetime already trying to earn God's favor, you know, hoping that perhaps if I was good enough, um, I did enough good that I would be just as Cornelius and the angel of the Lord would come to me and say, your prayers and alms have went up as a memorial before the Lord. And so here I'm, you know, here, Laren. And um, anyways, and, but there was that bumper sticker. If you can earn it, then why did he die? And I thought, well, that is interesting. And, and then I seen this bumper sticker, and I'm not kidding you, I seen this bumper sticker then every day <laughs> in my driving around through town. Okay, I found out years later that there was a Baptist church there in, in Meridian, which was a, a, a close town, that, that that church as an outreach program had ordered in several thousand of these bumper stickers and give them to all the parishioners and said, give them to your neighbors, tag your neighbor's car, you know, whatever it might be. <laughs> but at the time, I didn't know that. But I was seeing this bumper sticker every day. And I thought, wow, I just keep seeing this bumper sticker over and over and over and over. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, that is a very interesting question. It's a question that you need to someday, you need to answer that question, Learn. Well, and, Make and, sense of it. And Paul writes that, right, in, to the Galatians? <laughs> yes. That, that if righteousness were through the law, then Christ yeah. came for no reason. Came for no reason. So, and, yeah. Anyways, but, um, yeah, so, so then I, I even went to this point of just, like, I would ignore them because I didn't want to have to answer that question yeah. that I knew was needed to be answered. And I just passed it off as like, oh, it's probably them, you know, Baptists or somebody, them easy believers or right. something. Just, you know, it's all you got to do is believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You know, yeah. it's not that simple. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I knew, right, because I'd, I'd spent my whole life working and, and yeah. just really well, you tread knew, in water. You knew there was a 12-step program yes, that you had to complete. Yes, it wasn't that simple. Yeah, it's not and, as simple uh, as they're making it. Anyways, but... Um, and so that was a, a big question mark, and it was a kind of a, I think, kind of a turning point, you know, in that, in my rebellion. And uh, anyways, and so then moving forward from the 2005 when my, my brother Lane passed away, um, there was a lot of years that transpired here, seven years, that my wife Lori in, in 2012 had got really bad sick. Um, you know, it, it appeared every bit that she was on her deathbed, and... Uh, uh, she'd had a kidney that inside of her had come apart, and it was just a mess with infection and such. Oh. She began to grow this thing out of her back that looked like a softball but black. Oh, dear. And so we thought maybe cancerous or something. We didn't have no idea because we don't... You don't go to the doctor. We don't go yeah. to the doctor. And anyways, and so now I lost my brother seven years before and had no idea what happened to him, you know, as he left this world. Eternally, yeah. Eternally, yes. Yeah. And now it's my wife, and, and my love for her was such that I needed to find this out. You know, it was, um, he used that in a great way, you know, but um, anyways, and so I just, I began to just pour over the scriptures then, you know, day and night, you know, I would, I would fall asleep in my chair, you know, with, with my Bible in my lap at three o'clock in the morning or four o'clock in the morning. Some nights I would be so engrossed in it that I never went to bed. And it was just, I had to know this, you know, 
my wife was just laying there dying and I had to know. And uh, so I was very intentional about it, but I was still just going through the gospel of John over and over and over. And uh, anyways, and then at one point I stopped the gospel of John and I began to read Romans. So in the, in the Gospel of John, I found out that Jesus does love me and that he cares for me so much that he, he came, he left his, his glory above, came to this earth as a man. And then I moved into Romans, and that was my downfall <laughs> or my uplifting. There I should go. maybe say it like that. But Romans 1 begins, you know, uh, after he greets us and such. He moves forward, and the first topic that he comes to is, is the idea of homosexuality. And, um, and my mind just kind of froze on that subject, you know, because that was just the grossest thing that I could even think of. You know, it was just simply unnatural. Um, and, and so whenever I would read on down through and say that, you know, they were getting their just reward, you know, I would say, yeah, they deserve, they deserve, you know, and... And, uh, but I seen myself as, as aloof from that. Well, um, and then as we move on down through, through Romans there, he begins to name these sins. In, uh, and I think the list is 26 or 27 different things, backbiters, um, proud, boasters, um, whisperers, um, uh, adulterers or fornicators, um, these would all be coming from the King James. Sure. But some of the words, I didn't even know what the meaning was, lasciviousness. I didn't, and so I had to first go find out what that word even meant. But I kept going over that list and over that list until that at one point I actually took and, and wrote them out, all of them on a paper. And anyways, and, and so just kind of first blush, I looked and said, okay, I'm guilty of that. And I would sign my name next to it. And I start, and at first, you know, you see 10 of them that are just, okay, yeah, that's me. You know, um, who could say that I wasn't disobedient to my parents? Right. It's just, well, everybody does that. You know, everybody, everybody is, you know, is proud. Everybody is a boaster. And, and so I didn't, I, I wasn't really convicted so much about it, but it just, and so I'd sign my name to it. And o over a period of time, I kept going back to that and going back to that. And each time I would sign my name to another one, you know, I would recognize mm. that, that this was actually me that was being talked about here. And, and so eventually it come down to the fact that there was three on this list. And um, one of them was obviously homosexuality. I just, I had no, no desire to that, you know. And the other one was uh, adultery or sexual misconduct. And... Um, and I, I kind of pondered on that a little bit and, and, and I didn't hear his voice in my mind, but I knew what his voice was. And Jesus said this, he says, it has been said of old that thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looked on a woman and lusted after her is guilty already in his heart. And I just thought, oh, I cannot, I cannot say I've never did that. And yeah. And I signed my name to it. And now I'm to two, homosexuality and hater of God. Then was the two that was left on. And, and the one, I, I just had no inclination towards that. But there it was, hater of God. And remember that I told you that I already fell in love with the Lord Jesus in the Gospel of John. And, 
And now I'm, I'm looking at this saying, I hate God. If he has given me all of these commandments and I have willingly broke every one of them except these two, and I'm going to somehow try to convince myself or anybody else that I love God, hmm. it's, it's a fool's game. Ooh. Yeah, hmm. and, and I remember just, I still have the paper at home, and there's tear stains all over it as I signed my name that I hated God. It, just, it broke my heart. I hated this God that loved me, loved me so that he came to this world and died for me and, and did it willingly. You know, it was just out of love. And it, yeah, it just broke my heart. And I was, I was just crushed. I don't know how else to say it, but I was just crushed at that, knowing that I hate God. And even though that, that as that come to my mind, I recognize all the rest of the scriptures that would, you know, if you are not for me, you are against me, you know, and, yeah. um, you know, he would speak of those that, yeah, the, that, um, that were at enmity with him, at war with him. I had never seen my name yeah. there. And so now I've seen my name there as I truly hate God. And, um, and it wasn't just something that I was, you know, that I come up with. The scriptures actually is how that I learned that I hated God, that I was not keeping his commandments. I had never kept his commandments, and, and I didn't even know how. Mm. And, um, but I told you earlier that though I began to understand the gospel, I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know how to progress forward with it. I'd never, I had never had somebody call me to Christ, mm. right? Yeah. Wow. And, but, and then shortly after, you know, it was just kind of that light going off as far as saying, Oh, wait a minute. I know how you come to Christ. The Bible is clear, full of that. You know, Romans is going to give us, you know, some information there. All over throughout the scriptures, just even the famous line that John 3.16, you know, that God so loved the world that whosoever, right? It was all through the scriptures. Well, I'm, mm. I'm hoping that you kept reading eventually. I did. Yes, okay. Not yeah. even eventually, but... That right night, now, probably, yes. yes. Yeah. And anyways, but I understood. And, but yet there was still that hesitancy. Are you sure, Laren? Are you really sure that this is, you know? And I would go back over the scriptures. i say, yes, I'm really sure. And the last couple of weeks of my old life, um, I couldn't sleep. <laughs> I, my mind was so just working that, you know, working on it, working on it, knowing what I had to do, um, knowing that, should I make that maybe clearer saying, knowing what needed to be done in uh, anyways. And um, yeah, I just couldn't hardly sleep. I'd get a couple of hours of sleep at night. I was just miserable. Um, a lot of my friends later, you know, as I begin to share the, my testimony with them, they say, well, that's the whole deal there. And you were sleep deprived and therefore you went crazy. And, and now you've went clear <laughs> off, you know, out of bounds. And uh, anyways, but there I was wandering first in the house, back and forth, back and forth, just trying to, you know, um, trying to make peace in my mind. And then I was out in the yard at two o'clock in the morning and uh, just miserable. And I remember just c falling down on my knees um, with my face to the ground and just crying out to the Lord and just, you know, Lord, save me. You know, here a wretched sinner that has no, um, no ability, you know, to save myself and, and just really just reciting the, the things that I had learned you know, about who I was and who God was. And, uh, and I remember standing up um, after that I had cried a bit, and then I stood up, and I, I remember taking a breath, and it was like, 
and it went all the way. <laughs> and not and, and and again, I'm not these gift and sign guys so much, yeah. but um, you know, in my mind at that time, it was like I knew I was saved. Mm. Okay, but then I didn't know what to do with it. I was the only one, right? Lord, I alone. I had never I'd never stepped outside of that follower idea of there's other people. So you'd never had anybody share with you uh, how to be saved or uh, you'd never heard a gospel presentation. You'd gotten it all from reading John and Romans and and the remainder of the scriptures scriptures, also. Right. But still how, how amazing is that? That's just wonderful. So I had a friend, um, a dear friend uh, by the name of Shane Walmick that at the same time that I was struggling my way through some of these things, we would occasionally, not not very often, but we occasionally come across each other, maybe at Shopco or, or uh, Home Depot or something. We'd stand in the parking lot and talk for two or three hours or something. And I remember just thinking, because of some of the things that he was saying was the same things that I was saying, you know, and this would have been before I was truly converted. But he was asking them same questions, you know, uh, what, you know, what is it to, you know, to trust in the Lord Jesus for salvation? Um, you know, we talked a lot about the, the follower way and such. And I, I remember thinking, like, um, something's going on with Shane, I think, mm-hmm. similar to what is going on with me. Um, it turned out that I'd found out shortly after that he already was saved, but he, he didn't know what to say either. You know, he didn't know how to, to really share the gospel. And um, he shortly around that time began listening to, you know, different sermon audios and such like that. So he had, he would have part of it, but um, Shane was, at best, Shane was a poor communicator and he would get stuttering and stammering and, and kind of go left and right and then one down the middle and uh, anyways, kind of the shotgun effect, you know, there of sharing the gospel. And so, um, so it left me thinking like, well, something's going on with him. He's asking these same questions, and why are the two of us in this place, you know, asking these questions? And I found out later, no, he had been already converted, and he was a believer in Christ, but, uh, but I didn't know that at the time. And yeah. uh, so I didn't even share it with my wife, yeah. you know, after that for quite some time. Um, I didn't know how to, first and foremost, I didn't know how to. Mm-hmm. I had yet never heard a sermon in my life um, uh, I didn't recognize, you know, that even the idea that Christians share the gospel with others. And anyways, but then I had that concern about what happens when I tell Lori. You know, How long had you been married at this time? Um, about 20, 23 years. Yeah. Something like and that. What, did she get better? She or, did. Was she still sick? When you were thinking, um, do I share this with her or not? I mean, was she sick at that time? Or you... at, by then, um, this thing had eventually grown out of her back and ruptured. Oh, dear. And, and so now that, that kidney that was rotting inside of her, creating all of this infection, it began, it began pouring out of her, and, which is really you know, just God's grace. That's what saved her life. Well, sure. Was because that infection had ate its way. Oh, through the muscle and out her back, and uh, anyways, and um, and so it was just it was it made a mess, but it relieved right mm-hmm. because it had swollen up like I said the size of a softball, and so wow. it was just such pressure, 
you know. And, well, and I'm happy pain. to report that I saw her earlier today, so I know she's you, she's you, doing okay. Story. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yes. <laughs> but anyways, uh, um, maybe I kind of lost track there of where I was at. But. Well, you didn't. You didn't. Uh, I mean, I was thinking that you were pursuing some of this to find out answers. Yes. Because she was dying, yes. and then she recovered. And, Yes, kind of as you're still in process, right? As I'm in process of okay. the of the Holy Spirit working, um, anyways. But uh, I I had never said anything to her until I think it was about a year after that that I was saved. I never I told nobody, nobody this, and anyways, and and there was a person that come from the Church of the Firstborn out of Oklahoma had come there to church with a message, and that message was that you must be born again of water and of spirit. Right, so it's mm-hmm. right. just adding, John. right? Yeah. But you're adding one word. You must be born again of water and spirit, mm-hmm. right? That's not what John says, anyways. And so, um, so I confronted him after the meeting was over. He had got up and talked a little bit, and and so there was a lot of young men that that perhaps even at, especially in my earlier years at followers, um, I would have been the next man up, you know, mm-hmm. in my mind. There was a lot of men that looked to me you know, and, and followed the direction that I gave and such. But so we have this group of people surrounding this poor fellow that come out of Oklahoma there, and, and I'm confronting him about misquoting the Scripture and changing the meaning there, you know, of what that would mean, that he says that you must be born again of water. But when, John, uh, when Jesus speaks to Nicodemus, he says, except you're born of water and the Spirit, right? And not born again of water. Mm-hmm. Okay. That would mean that we would need... Two two happenings of a water birth. Okay, mm-hmm. and anyways, but um, so I was confronting him with that, and it, so it kind of progressed, and uh, and so he said, "So you're trying to tell me that you believe that somebody can be born again without being baptized?" Oh, that's where he's going with the water. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yes. Oh, I didn't. Right. Yeah. Okay. A physical birth. Yep. yep and yep. then okay, you know of didn't... water. Now okay. we have to go back into the water again. I did not. Okay. It's it's a follower Mark, Mark thing. Mark got it, but I didn't. I got it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I got Keep it. going. Yeah. Sorry. I'm but sorry. Anyways, yeah. and so he asked me that question. Are you trying to tell me that a person could be saved or reborn without a water baptism? And I said, yes. Okay. I just want to say, oh. I, I just want to say that I recognize the spot that he stepped into there by saying that right. in a group of friends who, yes. who had probably... We're probably well. Just continue, but I, I just want to say I wow. recognize the you, you feel the, the courage that that yeah. would have taken. And, yeah. and and you're on the right track. But then, so he doubled down and asked the, the question, a second question. I was okay answering that. Yes, I believe that a man can be saved or born again without having the waters of baptism. Um, anyways, the next question that he asked me, he said, "Are you telling me that you've been saved mm. and not baptized?" And immediately, my heart just began to, you know, <laughs> yeah. hump. And here, this whole group of, of my yeah. peers was there. And, and I remember just, just a, a quick prayer, just, Lord, help me. And so I answered him. And I said, yes, I have wow. been saved and have never been baptized. And that is not the plan of salvation. You know, the baptism is not part of that recipe, you know, to salvation. Ooh. And we get baptized because of our salvation. You know, we are declaring openly and publicly that I belong to Christ. 
in the waters of baptism. And I just spewed it out there. And then as soon as I did, it was just like the sky fell on me. (laughs) And I was, oh, I was just shaking. And I just turned and left, Mm -hmm. just left the mess behind. And I just left. And I remember going out in the car then and just climbing in the car and and just crying, just, you know, Lord, who am I? You know, here it is. I have this opportunity to to profess you and your name and your way. And though I did it, I'm shaking. I wanted to get out of there as fast as I could. I knew then that that rock that was hanging over me was going to fall. Now it's reported. Laren believes that he's actually born again by another way. And you're talking about you knew what the response was going to be from yeah. the followers. I knew what the repercussions was going to be. Now, and your wife, you hadn't talked to your wife about this yet. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so from yeah. that point, I become very intentional um, with my wife. And I would talk to her in the morning, at noon, at evening, when we went to bed. And many nights, I talked her to sleep. Just going over the gospel, over the gospel, over the gospel. And, and she was having these thoughts of like, my husband has went crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what to think. You know, and um, everybody already knew my dad was crazy. That's what they mm-hmm. would have said or that he had followed a false spirit. And because he had went right. off, you know, kind right. of. Right. And anyways, but she was having these thoughts. But I just, um, I just continued over and over and over. And... Uh, and so I think um, it would have been a total of two years after that I was saved that um, me and her alone took a trip, kind of our first time that we'd ever traveled anywhere without our children. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had went camping with some friends, and so it was just me and her. We was empty nested at that, you know, for that moment. And so I said, "Let's just go to the coast." And and 15 minutes later, we left for the coast. But mm-hmm. um, but I brought along with me. At that time, I had been, be- I had become aware of sermon audio. Um, I had become aware of my friend Shane Walmick's faith, mm-hmm. um, Slade Shippy, um, uh, even even my son-in-law Brandon had at that time uh, come to faith, and my daughter Raquel. Anyways, but um, so we took this trip, and I brought along with us a couple of CDs of Paul Washer. And anyways, Paul is very much to the point, and a lot of his messages are very, very gospel-centered. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and so I think from Idaho to, to the Columbia River, we had listened to these uh, CDs just on repeat. <laughs> and That's uh, how we do it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, anyways, and, and so it was there. We spent the night on the Oregon side of the Columbia River, and we was there in the room, and... and uh, I was outside on the little deck, balcony, whatever, and she had went in to take a shower or something, and she came back out, and I remember her just just crying, you know, mm-hmm. and, and just saying, I believe this. Mm-hmm. You know, with all my heart, I believe this. And yeah. So we just cried together. And uh, anyways, but so that's kind of the story yeah. of coming to faith in Christ. Um, so how, how much longer did you stay at Followers after after that, I believed I was there for almost four and a half years. Wow. Um, at, at first, I was so excited that I was going to be able to, you know, once I, once I finally, you know, um, openly confessed. Um, and, and so the, 
the bird was out of the cage. Mm-hmm. Um, I I thought, and I know I think that it was mis- a mistake, but but I thought the Lord has called me here in this place, and it was my intent or my purpose then that I was going to reach these people with the mm-hmm. gospel, and and I was just overjoyed with that thought that my friends, my family, and that are now I can. I can share with them the good news. I can share with them what he did in my life, mm-hmm. you know, how that the Holy Spirit come and he convicted me or convinced me of my sin, that there is, you know, I have a need for righteousness and there is a judgment coming in the very work that the Holy Spirit was here for. And and I, I was very excited and I thought that's my, that's my mission. And yeah. uh, anyways, and so I remained there for, um, you know, like after that I had let the bird out of the sack you know, another three and a half years and was just sharing any time that I could. I would even post myself outside the back doors where everybody came and went from and, and, you know, like, Hey, can I talk to you? You know? And, and eventually they got to where that it would, I was on the right hand side and they would just come down the steps and they would just take an immediate left. Yeah. (laughs) Even though I would say, Hey, how are you doing? They would just like, Oh, fine. And just, you know, go away. Yeah. And anyways, and after that four and a half year period, um, we was at a gathering at the park, kind of like an all-church gathering. And so my custom was that when we would go to something like this, we would have a, a bite to eat. And then I began to hunt. You know, who have I not talked to? You know, who have I not shared this with? Yeah. And, and so there was a Sunday um, in July, right, right around. It might have actually even been kind of a, like a celebration for the 4th of July that we was there at the park. And, and I began looking around, you know, on my hunt. And every face that I could see, I had shared the gospel with them. They had rejected mm-hmm. it completely, and, mm-hmm. and they wanted no part with me. And, and there was just that moment that I said, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm done. I had had a burning desire for a long time, you know, to actually go and be with God's people. Some of the others, Shane Womack and Brandon, my son-in-law, and, and different ones, they had actually left and went to other churches. And I felt left behind because, mm-hmm. the, and one of the things I would say, because... I seen them growing, oh. leaps and bounds. I seen them growing. I seen um, just so much growth in their life, and I was missing that because I had purposed, mm. you know, to do this. I could have did it in other ways, right? I should have followed the yeah. command of God, you know, that I would go and be with with like minded believers, with Christians, but um, but I didn't until that time. And then when I I said I'm done. I had a burning desire to to be with God's people and baptism, right? Mm-hmm. Because, and I, I always had refused or, you know, wouldn't go down that road. It was something that, that was, I was held in bondage to my whole life. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden I've been made free. And it's, there was still this part thinking like somehow I would be going back into that bondage type of a thing or anyways, but... Um, but my mind had changed by that point. And, uh, but my message to the people was that we are saved apart from a water baptism. We are saved by grace through faith, not of anything that we have done, right? And anyways, and I said, okay, if I go and get baptized, it's going to muddy the water, right? My message mm-hmm. is that we're not saved by a water baptism, and then they're going to say, oh, but Laren went and got baptized. Sure. And, and so I struggled with that a lot. But whenever I come to that point that day at the park, the first part of July... Um, I said, I'm done. I want to go and be with God's people and I want to be baptized. And I, I'd already met a man by the name of Paul Russ that he reminded me of my 
friend or our neighbor, Jody Rose. He had that mm. same spirit about him. And so I called him and asked him if he would help, you know, us in baptism. And uh, anyways, but to kind of to finish the story about Jody real quick here yeah. is that when we was baptized there, um, we got baptized in the little canal behind our house, but, but I gave my testimony there and uh, it was 105 degrees <laughs> and bless their soul. They sat there and waited for an hour as I went through my testimony. And anyways, but <laughs> after that we was baptized, um, it turned out unbeknownst to me, but I, I talked about Jody being this, this huge thing in my life and, and who he was, you know, in, in that process. Well, it turns out that his daughter was actually there. Um, there was just and a lot of, know I didn't know it. No, um, Nobody there, I didn't know anybody, right? Because it was from the church that this Paul Russ that baptized me, they came and gathered, you know, to celebrate with us. And, and so there was maybe 75 people there. Yeah. And uh, anyways, and, and she was kind of standing in the back. I didn't see her, but I had talked about her dad and how that he'd influenced, um, or how that he was an influence and part of that, that tool that God had used in bringing me to faith. And so then afterwards, she came up to us and, and, you know, I knew who she was. And mm -hmm. so she told the story. She said that the first day that her dad come home after meeting my family, that he came home and he gathered the family together. And he said, I met a neighbor today by the name of Eels, their family that lives up on Chicken Dinner Road. And anyways, and he said... I've drove past there a lot of times, and I knew that they was very religious, but I didn't know what. So I stopped today to kind of try to get a feel. And he says, I believe completely they're unsaved, that they're unbelievers. And so they, they right then, they prayed for my family. And she said that they prayed every day. Wow. Every day they prayed for, for me. Uh, my family is how she said it, but it was for me, and uh, and it's still just a wonder how God works. Mm -hmm. You know, though I hadn't had preaching to set under, right. there was somebody out there that was praying for me. You and then shortly after, I've, I was kind of just basking in that amazement. I remembered John 17. Jesus prayed for me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, yep. Yeah. yeah. So... That's kind of my story of coming to the Lord. Wow. Yeah. You know, it's a preaching, great story. but you had praying, which yeah. is yeah. pretty good. Yeah. And how long was it from the time that he first prayed to you for you and your family till your baptism and she told you that, would you say? At least uh, 15 years. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And Thank actually, you. he had passed away before I was baptized. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Or he would have been there. Or yeah. he'd have been there and praying yeah. still. Wow. But, yeah. Wow. That's great. Thank that you so much. That's a great story. Yeah. So we usually do a hymn here at the end of uh, an episode. So well, We didn't do that last time because we knew he was coming back, That's right? true. Okay. Yeah. That was so, like the one episode we haven't. Right. It is. Thanks. So I know that it's your tradition to normally... Um, a song that we sang when we was at Follower. Mm -hmm. um, and I, maybe I'll turn that around just a little bit. Yeah. Um, hey, you drove this far. You okay. can do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. That part of my life is dead and gone. I'm a mm -hmm. new creature in Christ. And so um, some of the songs that I've learned 
since then okay. are the songs that still today make such have such an impact as I'm as I'm reading the lyrics as I'm um, just thinking it through in my mind. But one of them that though we didn't sing it, but maybe on a rare occasion at Follower, it was in our hymnal, mm-hmm. and I had read through it time and time again. It was just a song that we didn't sing very much, so I wasn't very familiar with it. Mm-hmm. But after that I was saved and I heard it for the first time, um, mm-hmm. again, I just, I wept. You know, yeah. I just, I just wept. Mm-hmm. But the, but the song, the title of the song is At Calvary. And yeah. uh, anyways, um, I don't want Gary to feel alone. Are you going to, are you going to sing? I'm oh, going to wow. try to sing this. Oh, amazing. Um, but I will sing one verse, and then maybe we'll go through it and, and the chorus, because the chorus must be sung with it. But, uh, and then maybe we'll go through it and go to another verse. But <clears throat> So here goes nothing. Okay. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died on Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free, pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. But I believe that first verse, you know, it said, years I spent in vanity and pride. That was a description of who I was, right? And caring not, my Lord was crucified. Mm -hmm. I knew he died. I knew that was something Mm -hmm. big, something great or something, but not really caring. Um, You know, and and not even knowing that it was for me, that it was for me he died on Calvary. And, And I come to learn, you know, this grace that mercy there was great. And, mm. and grace was free. Yeah. And it was there, you know, that, that the pardon was made for my sin. You know, my yeah. sin was judged there at the cross of Calvary yeah. the 2,000 years ago, you know, back. In, uh, and it was there at that cross, at the feet of Jesus, that my burdened soul found liberty. Found liberty. Yep. Yeah. But, and it, was, it has such a <laughs> ring of truth. Yeah. Verse number two, he says, by God's word at last my sin I learned. Then I trembled at the law I'd spurned, till my guilty soul imploring turned to Calvary. But by God's word at last, yeah. Romans 1, by God's word at last my sin I learned. Wow. I learned that I was in that same boat going down the same river with these people that I could definitely understand were sinners and um, yeah, but it was his word, you know, that I learned these things. Mm. And then, as I told earlier, how that I wept as I wrote my name to that last, you know, the idea of hating God. It was, I trembled, you know, right. at the law yeah. that I had spurned. And wow. I did so until my guilty soul, imploring, turned mm. to Calvary. Wow. Wow. That really is your song, isn't it? That is. Yeah. Now I've given to Jesus everything. Now I gladly own him as my king. Now my raptured soul can only sing of Calvary. 
Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to men. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Amen. Amen. Thank you. And amen. Yes. And and maybe that's enough. That's perfect. Maybe that's enough. There was a couple more songs that have just had such a great impact since I've been a believer, but one of them, and I'll just give you just a a moment of it, but grace that is greater than all of our sin, Mm -hmm. right? Whenever that we truly grasp that idea, then, then we can actually know what it means when he said that all of you that toil and are are heavy laden and burdened, come unto me and I will give you rest, rest yeah. right? And yeah. and it's in that grace that we rest oh, that's completely. Fabulous. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, thank it's you for making my joy. the drive. It's been my joy. All right. Well, hopefully this has been helpful. If you have questions or comments or a topic that you would like us to cover, you can reach us at comments at onerightchurch.com. And for more information, you can visit our website www.onerightchurch.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.